1: is us in the podcast we've it's a sealed door we're both locked in here two men enter
0: no men leave no or two men leave in after about an hour (laughs) it's not as dramatic no welcome to overdue this is a
1: podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read my name is craig my name is andrew And each week, one of us talks about a book that we read to the other person who didn't read it this week, but maybe read it before, but maybe didn't. It's a really long explanation this time. Andrew. (laughs) You get the extended cut. My justification for how long that is, is I needed to like fill the time lapse between where I am and where
0: you are. Where are you right now? I'm on the West Coast in the city of San Francisco. So I'm hearing things that Craig is saying. Three hours after he's saying them,
1: yes. So I have to say them really loud to make sure that they get through the Midwest, through the pipes. Yeah, does out uh, to me through the corn, through the oats, through the soy, and the do bison. You know,
0: do you have any idea how the internet works? Like even a cursory. idea of how any of this works i was
1: yes anding you the internet pipes (laughs) have to go under all the crops
0: Mm -hmm. that why would it so tell me why it would be harder to go under crops than it would be to go under buildings crops have roots buildings don't buildings have basements those are just building roots
1: (laughs) but most basements are empty unless you fill them with boxes like me
0: yeah, that's what most basements have boxes in. Them. Oh,
1: is our internet going through everyone's unwanted like clothes and junk drawer contents. Mhm. And clothes yes. and things they haven't returned to the store cuz they don't have time. Yes, and their old paint cans. Oh,
0: there's always old paint cans
1: down there. Mm-hmm. And I never want to use that paint cuz it's gross and mm-hmm. it's old.
0: Yes, and this is the show that we're stuck continue in. Continue the show, <laughs>
1: God. What book did you read this week?
0: Uh, I read Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Bronte, we're gonna we're going with Bronte. Not... it may not even be consistent with how we pronounce it in the past. This is our third Bronte sister. <laughs> We've been working our way up the chain. We started with uh, gotta catch Anne them all, and Tenant of Wildfell Hall, and then we moved up to um, Emily and Wuthering Heights. And now we're up to Jane Eyre, yes. which I th- is arguably. I think people go back and forth on whether this is the "quote unquote" best one, or Wuthering Heights is the best one. Sure, I will say that I liked this better than Wuthering Heights, but I also may have liked Wildfell Hall better than Wuthering Heights. Well, Wuthering Heights was just a bit of a it was a bit of a slog for me. I'm i couldn't tell you why now it's been too long, but I just remember it being a bit it was a little hard to get into i guess
1: yeah uh i mean i think you and charlotte would would like agree about weathering heights cuz she wrote the preface and basically was like it's got problems
0: <laughs> wait so tell me more about about charlotte's opinions of her sister's work and why they would matter it's because like she's she lived she outlived the other two uh-huh. And like her brother, Branwell, and their like two older or younger sisters. There were two other Bronte sisters yes. who died She younger. was the
1: third of six siblings. Uh, right. Charlotte was born in 1816. And they all went to this boarding school called Clergy Daughters School at Cohen Bridge, uh, which I believe had some impact on this book that we'll talk about today, as I think of mm-hmm. boarding school factors heavily. Um, yeah, a little bit. Two of their sisters died, possibly from TB or, or other symptoms, likely related to the uh, quality of life or lack thereof at this boarding school. Um, and then several 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 years down the road, excuse several. me, several Snape years down the road, um, all of Charlotte's remaining siblings passed, like within eighteen months of each other. Branwell passed away. Emily and Anne passed away.
0: I believe Emily and Anne, it may just have been Anne. One or both of them died of an illness that she caught at Branwell's funeral, I yeah, believe. I think. So that yeah. was a cool, like, chain reaction. That's a cool combo breaker not, to get into.
1: Not great. Um but they had, you know, they had published work together. There's the thing where they were all publishing Under male pseudonyms, that's Currer, Ellis, and Acton Bell. They published poems together. Uh, Not a lot of people bought them, but they kept writing anyway.
0: (laughs) Uh, They all wrote (laughs) these stories about this fictional world that, like, Mm -hmm. not a lot of that writing survives. But there was a lot of evidence that they were just writing to entertain each other for a long time before they were writing for public consumption. Correct.
1: Uh, And... Charlotte had worked as a teacher, she was a governess for a while, Um, and after her sisters passed, she was, you know, being the one left, was responsible for some of the legacy, I mean, Charlotte died when she was 38, so she did not, you know, live a very long life, unfortunately, but she was around to kind of comment on and protect is not the right word cull is actually more accurate mm-hmm. um a lot of their work that we're we're now finding or have found because there's you know decades and centuries of scholarship on these sisters uh um, so
0: she she was she negged wuthering heights she did did she do did she have anything to do with anne's reputation i know that even now, it's often held in, like, lower esteem yeah. than the other two. So
1: I found an article on org, and if you want to find out how one sister might have thrown a bunch of shade at one of the others, don't go to a site about Charlotte Bronte. Go to a site about Anne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on this website, there's an article about Ghosts at a Watchman, which we've talked about, the Harper Lee novel. Mm-hmm. And the role of uh, the author's role and the family or, you know, adjudicator of their will or executor of their will's role in maintaining work, right? Um, and uh, Charlotte's publishers had asked Charlotte to compile the work of Emily and Anne to be republished on their, under their auspices. Um, and she did it, but she said that she. Um, necessarily regulated the selection, Uh, called from the mass only a little poem here and there. And we we know that there's a lot more than what she uh, led us all to believe was there or is worth seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, And she excised Anne's second novel, The Tenant of Wildfell Hall, altogether. And it wouldn't be published for ten years after Anne's death.
0: Yeah, the first one, Uh, Agnes Gray, was a little bit shorter. mm -hmm, Is that right? mm Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I haven't read that. I have not
0: no. read that one. I've only read well, Emily only has the one, but of the other two Bronte sisters, I've only read one book a piece, so
1: yeah of of Wildfell Hall, Charlotte wrote uh, to her publisher, Wildfell Hall, it appeared it hardly appears desirable to preserve the choice of subject in that work is a mistake. It was too little consonant with the character tastes and ideas of the gentle, retiring, inexperienced
0: writer. Hey Charlotte, yo. <laughs> How about you honor your sister's memory and let us decide if it's bad? I don't know. Maybe honoring your sister's memory isn't the right thing, but like why you got to why you got to be that way, man? Why you got to do that? Yeah, she said of
1: Wuthering Heights, to all such Wuthering Heights must appear a rude and strange production. Um And the opening of this preface That she wrote says I've just read over Weathering Heights And for the first time Have obtained a clear glimpse Of what are termed Its faults (laughs) (laughs) And then spends like One paragraph at the bottom Being like Hey my sister was really talented And sometimes you can't control The stuff you write So even if it's garbage But you have skill You gotta write it
0: Mm -hmm. Thanks Charlotte That was real nice of you Yeah I'm sure everything That you did was perfect (laughs) practically perfect in every way charlotte bronte
1: i guess we'll get to that we'll get to see if it's perfect or not right you'll Mm -hmm. tell me yeah um but about charlotte she had two uh other novels we we well a couple other novels actually we talked about the professor which is her first manuscript that wasn't published until later um she started writing something called Shirley, which then wouldn't get finished until after uh her sisters and brother perished and then it didn't achieve the same acclaim as Jane Eyre. And she published a final book called Villette in 1853. And as I said, she died while uh, pregnant um, at the age of 38. So that's kind of her arc. She had her friend Elizabeth Gaskell, another author of the time, published The Life of Charlotte Bronte in 1857, which is notable for like your best friend, woman author also writing a bi- a biography of you like right after you pass it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. that that happened
0: and it's safe to say that of all the books that she did like jane Eyre is the, yeah the best regarded one yeah so I mean, yeah i don't Charlotte, know I, maybe I, some I of remember. your books have flaws too <laughs> yes
1: well and i've read some people like arguing that some of that juvenilia the the magic world that they made up is like early sci-fi or at least like early worldcraft, in the same way that we think of sci-fi and fantasy now. And it would be really neat to have more of
0: that to look at. I guess it depends on what counts and whether like having been published is important. I mean, yeah. Because I think like writing something for public consumption and like who knows how many people were doing this sort of thing just behind closed doors with no intent of publishing it and we don't know anything about any of it because they never went on to write a whole bunch of like critically acclaimed classic novels as well as all the world building middle earth stuff correct
1: so i don't really know okay cool cool but Cool. that's what i got right now andrew i want to hear more about this book but first we need to take a break okay One type of writing we don't do often is poetry.
0: But uh, one of our sponsors this week wants to change that. His name is uh, Kinyo, K-I-N-Y-O. And you can find some of his work at KinyoPoetry.com. That's all one word. Um, Kinyo describes himself as a creative in business and in life who has cultivated and mastered many artistic realms of life, including painting, poetry, and music. So he's a triple threat. Hmm. Um, he's selling a 76-page collection of poems called Times Library. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find that on his site. When you buy a copy, you can enter the coupon code OVERDUE for $5 off. Um, so you can find out more about that book and uh, his work at com, And that coupon code, again, is OVERDUE.
1: Andrew, did you know that, you might not know this all the way on the West Coast, but our show this week is brought to you and me and our listeners by squarespace which is a website that helps you make websites what
0: what are the what are the key wait so what how did they make squarespace what's the website that helps you make websites that helps you make websites i don't well, it's websites how all far the way down, down does it go chemtrails um tell me more about
1: squarespace <laughs> Uh, whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, you can use Squarespace. Uh, you can do this because they make it easy. Like, it's it's drag and drop. It's You don't need to learn how to code, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you sign up for a year, you get a custom domain, so you don't get, like, a weird, like, you don't have to be, uh, you know... Tyrion, Lannister for president, squarespace.com unless you really want
0: to. Geocities.biz. Slash
1: Angelfire. Yeah. <laughs> Lycos. <laughs> question mark. PHP. You don't have to include <laughs> under construction GIFs unless you want to, because they have beautiful templates that uh, work with what you want to make. And you can like put photos in there. It's super easy to do that. Uh, if you want to sell some stuff they've got tools to help you do that and they have really good customer support that's available all
0: day long yeah so you can uh you can start a free trial with no credit card required um, if you go to squarespace.com and then if you decide to make your trial website into a real website um, if you enter overdue uh, you can get 10 percent off of your purchase so that's a little gift from us and Squarespace, I guess, also to you. Squarespace. Set your website apart.
1: So, Andrew, after last week's show, you put out the call for
0: hashtag mom swears. I did, because we talked about your your mom says yeeba. And, and my mom calls chicken breasts chicken chests because she does not want to say the word breast. And uh, we got a few, we got a few submissions from listeners for swears and kind of swears that their mom said. And then I put out an official the mom swear signal uh-huh. to get some more. And we got we got a good list. I'm not I, I'm not going to uh, name and shame particular moms, mm-hmm. but I'm uh, just I want before we jump into Jane Eyre. I wanted to read some of these to you and okay. just see what you think. See if we can add any of these to the overdue Lexicon and re- and retain that <laughs> clean label. Okay. All right. Uh sweet cheeses. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, you know, sweet Jesus. But you don't want to like defame him, so you say cheeses. Sweet cheeses. Um, there was a lot of discussion about stuff that like wasn't swears, but your mom would still get mad at you if you said like I think shut up was surprisingly common. Yeah, this sucks. Um, su- sucks. Yeah, sucks. Another one. Uh, cheese and crackers. It's, it's the cheese cheese <laughs> for Jesus thing is very common. Uh-huh. Also, have you heard of my new charity, Cheese for <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> Um, oh, Fliberty Gibbet. I've heard Fliberty Gibbet before. Uh, Fudge sickles, fiddlesticks, fish sticks, all obviously F words. Uh-huh. Uh, cheese and rice. <laughs> uh, f- f- Catherine says that her mom would just actually swear and then say sorry to Jesus. Yeah, like
1: cross her chest and then say so. That makes it do better. You think,
0: like, how mad do you think this makes Jesus? He must be up there like, I, I heard you. I heard you say it. <laughs> Come on. Uh, bless their heart.
1: Oh, that's a good one. There's
0: another one. Uh, sugar snaps. <laughs> oh, farts. <laughs> and then my personal favorite. This is the last one. We're going to go out on it. Wowzers, Bowsers.
1: I have to thank Sandra. I've been saying Wowzers, Bowsers all week. It's <laughs> oh, so God. fun. And I just, I also just like that for some reason, instead of cursing, moms just like to yell food. Mostly cheese, but just Mostly yell, cheese, yes. Just yell some food. All right, Andrew, tell me about Jane
0: Eyre. Oh, Wowser's Bowser's Jane Eyre. Uh published in eighteen forty seven. Um, it and Wuthering Heights and Wildfell Hall all came out within like a year or so of each other, I think. Mm-hmm. Or they were at least all written within that yeah. time frame. Uh, so they were all just having their own little national novel writing year <laughs> in there.
1: The Bronte NaNoWriMo contest? Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: Um, and there are some things just like stylistically to distinguish it from Wuthering Heights and Wildfell Hall. I think I'll we'll, we'll probably keep coming back to those because those are kind of my touchstones for the Bronte sisters and for the genre. I know we've done a little bit of Austin, but I feel like maybe we haven't quite nailed her down yet. No, um,
1: no. She's elusive, that Jane Austen. Like Batman. Yeah, we'll
0: we'll get her one of these days. Uh so some things to distinguish it from those other books is you're getting this from the first person perspective and the person who you're getting it from is a woman. Okay. And so there there are big chunks of the other two books that you get from the perspective of women, but it's usually delivered at a sort of remove like at arm's length you're getting it either through like letters or through stories that are being relayed to you the reader through like one or two other Mm -hmm. layers Mm -hmm. and in fact the the protagonists or like the first character you meet who is primarily telling you the story in both of those books are male and i'm not sure if that's just because it was more believable, like, they were trying to pass themselves off as men to get published. It was just more believable to have male protagonists, because that's just what was done.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's um, a good question. We have a lot of listeners that have done way more research on these on this book, these authors, their books, uh, than we have, or probably ever will. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got any um actually's that you want to send us, like, please hit us up. We'll... we'll relay that information as best we can but yeah, yeah i think I mean, that's an interesting point because i don't know what i'll i'll want you to track how it being a female protagonist is really important to what the book's about because that seems like a very strong choice for the time period and for where novels were at the time
0: Well, and and all three of them, all three of these books are often included in lists of, like, early proto-feminist texts. Like, Mm -hmm. you're still, like, the women still end up married at the end of all of them, because that's just what happened. Like, even though Jane Eyre fights it quite a few times in ways that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, So, they're not completely and totally throwing out every genre convention that comes with these kinds of stories, but... Um, but yeah, the the fact that you are just in Jane's head, kind of tracking her, this is a a buildings buildings romance story.
1: Buildings romance.
0: Yeah, or a, a as it's sometimes called a coming of age story, and it's one of the few, if not the only one, from this era that you actually get from a female perspective. Sure. So I think for for those reasons, at least to me, it's um it's the more like interesting feminist work of the three to my mind yeah yeah not not that the other two aren't doing interesting things but i think this one is more like explicitly that way and it's easier to talk about that way
1: yes and and uh, can you talk a little bit more about what it's like to read the first person perspective like does it how in I don't know I can't think of a book from this era that I've read that's in the first person.
0: Maybe yeah, I mean I, we just haven't. Know. That that might just be our our own shortcomings. Yeah, yeah. Coming to the fore. <laughs>
1: and maybe I have. I've forgotten half the things we've read for this show. People have been like, "Yeah, you read that book," and I'm like, "Yeah, we totally did." Nope. No, we did not. Yeah.
0: No. People tweet quotes at me all the time, and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> did I, I said that. That sounds right. That sounds about right." Um, I think the main thing that I came away from it with is sometimes you're sometimes you are left questioning like what is real because Uh, you're getting it from somebody's perspective directly and so like you 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 are relying on them to be reliable as as narrators you're relying on jane to tell you what she experiences and usually you find out later like oh here's what you know like they take the mask off the groundskeeper and you find out you know who was under there the whole time but
1: (laughs) is that a wait is that a thing that happens in this book or are you like making a scooby-doo reference
0: i am making a scooby-doo reference no there's there's just a couple of like pseudo supernaturally sort of things Ah. that happen that later you find out the actual non-supernatural
1: is there a semi-lingual dog in this book like a dog that talks or but like Like scooby-doo doesn't really talk though
0: no no. he does talk listen like it's a talking dog (laughs) i think the fact that he doesn't know how to pronounce everything is pretty impressive all things considered
1: Okay, maybe, yeah, maybe he's just inventing his own vernacular and I he should needs stop. He some,
0: like, speech therapy maybe, but it's still a talking dog. Yeah, he's also bigger than I will ever be. He's huge. Oh, Scooby-Doo is terrified. <laughs> is he a dog or is he some sort of hell beast who makes them solve mysteries? And drive around in that van all the time, and they just want to go home.
1: Yeah, they are. They are like locked in his magical thrall. That he mm-hmm. just commands them to move from one haunted castle to the next. Yep,
0: eating pushing that boulder snacks. up the hill and it rolls back down. Yeah, so driving let's... the mystery machine up the hill, it rolls back down. The book, I guess. The book, I guess. Let's let's hop into the basic plot stuff. I'm not going to do all of it, but I'm going to do the most important bits of it, I think, especially the stuff that's tracing Jane's growth because that's the kind of book it is. Um, so when the book opens, she is living with the Reeds, uh, and this is her aunt and uncle, I think her mom's brother. Uh, so she's 10 when the novel opens, and Mr. Reed takes her in, and then he dies, but like one of his dying wishes is that Mrs. Reed takes in Jane and raises her. And Mrs. Reed is not like nuts about it, and they don't get along very well. And Jane doesn't get along with her kids. Okay. Um, so Jane is ten and is already pretty defiant and chafing at the ill treatment that she's getting from from Mrs. Mrs. Reed and her kids. And so Jane is packed off and sent to Lowwood which is kind of a charity house/boarding slash boarding school. Mhm, mhm. And that's its own like this this early childhood part of the book is maybe the first third of it or maybe oh, wow. just a hair less.
1: Okay. Um does it feel like its own arc?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cuz she's she is sent to this place and it's being kind of run poorly like the kids don't have enough to eat and it's very cold and and yeah just the 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 guy who runs it isn't super nice and so he comes in to give a speech to to the kids and to the instructor's and he makes this point of like standing Jane up on a stool and he's like, Jane's aunt told me that she was really nasty and you need to watch her all the time and she is terrible and whatever. And Jane is really like mortified like you might be. But then she finds out through her uh, her new friend Helen Burns that actually like that's going to engender sympathy for her among the teachers and pupils hmm. because none of them really like that dude that much. Okay. <laughs> that's a good that's a good plan. Um the parts you you mentioned earlier that there was a little bit of an autobiographical mm-hmm. bent to this. Um so Helen Burns is um Jane's first real friend at this place and she dies of tubercular I think it's tuberculosis. Um and this is kind of a stand in for Charlotte's sister Maria, who also died of tuberculosis after being poorly treated at a boarding school slash charity house that was not run super well. Correct. So that's fun.
1: Yeah, I was reading a little bit about the Cohen Bridge school and uh they like legit used a dunce cap, Andrew.
0: Yeah, maybe and I don't... that had to come from somewhere. Like <laughs> I just think like it had to be real at some point but
1: and it wasn't just like oh wear the dunce cap go about your life it was sit on this stool and don't move for five hours right I thought that was the
0: whole the whole thing with the dunce cap
1: what did the dunce cap involve like sitting in the corner
0: I think usually when you see it it's like a little it's a kid with a dunce cap like staring into the corner sitting on like a little stool (sighs) that's the vision that comes to my mind
1: I'm just like bummed about schools now. You're not
0: just walking around with a dunce cap like an "I'm with stupid" (laughs) t-shirt.
1: That might, yeah. See, if I got to wear the dunce cap around, like that could be like a badge of honor. Yeah, class clown. Uh, Yeah, I'm the class clown. Vote for me for class clown. See, I don't.
0: I think they wanted the dunce cap to feel like a punishment, so they didn't let the kids do that. That's why they didn't invent the class clown until like the 1960s.
1: Was that a leave it to beaver invention?
0: Yes. I, yes, it was. Or,
1: or it might have <laughs> might have premiered on Welcome Back, Cotter. I'm not quite well-versed in my mid 20s Yeah, scholars century.
0: differ on us. Uh, so anyway, uh, Jane <laughs> Eyre is at the school. All these kids die over the winter. Oh, and good. so this advisory board comes in and is like, hey, we're going to help you run this place a little bit better. So kids don't die as much. And after that, Lowood gets quite a bit better for Jane. Jane stays there for six years as a student and two years as a teacher, which brings her up to 18, so just edging up on spinster territory, of course.
1: Is that, wait, Um, you said, okay, you're being a little facetious, but is that like- I'm
0: being a little facetious, but one character later on does ask her if she's a spinster, and she's like, dude, I'm like 19. (laughs)
1: Okay, I've barely stopped listening to Dashboard Confessional. Like, I'm not a spinster yet.
0: People grew up faster back then, I think.
1: So, what you're saying is she was already listening to the oldies.
0: Yeah, which back then were new was new music. What? Okay, the let's new- let's let's keep let's keep this uh, <laughs> let's keep this trail on tracks. So I don't like any of these <laughs> detours. <laughs> um, so Jane is teaching at Lowood for a while, then she. Um, puts out an ad looking for another job somewhere else. I think she just wants to experience a little bit more of the world. And Mm -hmm. so she is hired as a governess for this place, Thornfield Hall. Okay. And the guy who lives here and owns the places is named uh, Mr. Rochester. Edward Rochester is his full name. Um, And she's going to be the governess for a kind of ward of his named Adele. She's a little French girl. Mhm. Uh not his daughter, but just a, a little girl he's taken charge of for so, reasons that we find out later. Okay. Um What do we think
1: of Mr. Rochester? Like what's his deal? Is he a cool dude? Is he hunky? In,
0: he we're interest we're introduced to him like bit by bit cuz he's not there for the first like few months. And so okay. it's just like Jane getting used to her job and kind of discovering that she's a little bored because like, there's just like not a lot going on. Um, and nobody there is really equipped to tell her a lot about, lot about Mr. Rochester. Jane is a little quick to judge people's like personality sometimes. (laughs) Okay. Most people to Jane are like essentially harmless, but a little dull. (laughs) So, so Jane has a a high opinion of herself. She, well, I don't know if she has a high opinion of herself so much as she has a low opinion of other people. <laughs> but that's basically the conclusion that she comes to of every other servant who's working at, at Thornfield, is that they're basically nice, but they're also not that interesting to talk to. Okay. And that includes Adele, who is a kid.
1: And she's like, this kid's boring. Take it away.
0: Yeah, she's like, oh, she's this little frivol- frivolous little French girl. Like hmm. she's fine, I guess. <laughs> uh, okay. So we meet, we meet Mr. Rochester later um, and he's not handsome. Darn but it. Th- there is something about him. That's like, that's appealing. And slowly there, like, I don't know, like Jane slowly finds herself falling in love with him. And he of course loved her like the whole time. That, and she, he only tells her about it later. Uh, they dance around for it. They dance around it for a bit because she's like lower class than he is. Okay. Um, that's another thing that you get in this book that you maybe don't get quite so much in Wuthering Heights or Wildfell Hall. Is like you're you're still in the land. You're still in the realm of the landed gentry people. Yep. But again, the person who's telling you the story is not like of that class. Sure, she's, sure. She's adjacent to it so so she like understands most of the ins and outs but yeah, for most of the for most of the books she is poor and has nothing in particular to her name to like call her own.
1: And in by being it by being first person, I imagine even as uh the other Bronte's work might touch on it, there's a different approach it being from this character's point of view than a third person like author commenting
0: on some of this kind of stuff yeah sure um so yeah so rochester is kind of acting like he's going to marry this this aristocrat lady who is like more of his own class for a while and one of the book's weirdest scenes he disguises himself as like a gypsy fortune teller okay and it's all just to, like, get information from people. So the, he, he, as the fortune teller, tells this aristocrat lady that, that, um, that the Rochester fortune isn't what it's cracked up to be. And he's, like, trying to smoke her out and, like, find out why she's really in the game. Like, if she's there for the right reasons. Okay. <laughs> in this game of Victorian bachelor <laughs> that we're playing. Okay. What then, what is this party that he can throw where
1: he can dress up as a gypsy?
0: It's one of those it's one of those things where just like you have a bunch of people over to your house. Oh, and you're so just like chilling a Friday. and hanging out for like a couple fortnights. I thought you were gonna say a couple forties. <laughs> no. They may be drinking forties. Whatever forties were, I think it was just wine. Just like a 48 ounces of wine. <laughs> um and he tells Jane like he's asking her all these really pointed questions about like oh don't you aren't you paying a lot of attention to Mr. Rochester like what do you think about him hmm?" he's trying to get all this information out of her Um, anyway they fall in love I guess Um, he explains a bit about why he's taking care of Adele like she she is the daughter of this French like mistress that he had for a while but the mistress was fooling around on him she was stepping out and so he's like saving this little girl because her like mom and and this other guy ran off and left Adele by herself. So he's trying to like do this good turn to her. And Is he doing it begrudgingly? Out,
1: does he feel really noble about it?
0: He feels a little noble about it. And again, like neither he nor Jane has like this the highest opinion of Adele. Oh, that stinks! <laughs> it does a little. Like she's um, just though there. by the end of the book, I mean maybe she'll release um, a really
1: cool album or something later. But
0: know, by the end of the book, Jane does say that like an English, a proper English education, did fix many of Adele's French defects. Shut so up. Adele turns out fine.
1: Oh well, we fixed
0: her Frenchness through proper that's, that's English some of raising. The, yeah, that's some of the like provincialism, whatever. <laughs> the other bit of it is that. A missionary character goes to uh, India to fix fix just everything. Okay, all the wrong stuff that they it's, found in India when they well, of course,
1: it. in this area was a mess down there.
0: That's what they're saying. Yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course. Um, so they're falling in love. He explains that they're gonna get married. Um, but someone stands up during the "forever hold your peace" part and is like, "Surprise, Mister Rochester's already <laughs> married." What? and he's like ugh okay fine I'll explain um, does he explain basic- right there at the wedding no it's a little bit later but obviously Jane would like an explanation uh, duh. for obvious reasons uh, so he Rochester was many many years ago he was wed to this woman because he, he Rochester was the second son but his dad didn't want him to be poor Mm-hmm. So, as we've maybe talked about a little bit when we're talking about this time period, like all the most of the inheritance, like the bulk of everything would have gone to the oldest male.
1: Got to be that firstborn. Got to get yeah, that firstborn. be the
0: firstborn. We've read some books where there have been no sons involved. Um, I don't know how often we've dealt with other sons. I'm sure it's come up. I feel like it came up in Wuthering Heights. But anyway, so he got married to this woman and the whole during the whole courtship process like this woman's family was very like protective of her and didn't let them spend a whole bunch of time together and it turns out that she's just insane i guess oh or she is he describes her as mad okay and so basically his argument is i totally would have told you after we'd been married for a year and a day And to my mind, this marriage didn't count because she's crazy. Uh, To tell me that I already had a wife is empty mockery. You know now that I had but a hideous demon, he says. Whoa. So he's like, yeah, it doesn't count because she's crazy. But where is she? She's locked in the attic. No. (laughs) Like (laughs) he locked her in the attic of Thornfield while he went and caroused around Europe with Adele's mom and a couple other people. And so Jane hears all this and she's like, I love you, but nope, 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 nope. Bye. <laughs> and she leaves in the middle of the night and she wanders around beggared for a few days before she comes to a house that takes her in. Um, here she meets Saint John, a missionary, and Diana and Mary, who are two like very nice women who like take her in and rush her back to health. Um, this is me just like tumbling through yeah, the rest of this. Um, they set Jane up as like the teacher of a school. Here's where you get a little bit more classist stuff. Uh, Jane says of the sort of, uh, rustic students that mm. she's teaching, I guess. Mm-hmm. I must not forget that these coarsely clad little peasants are a flesh and blood as good as the sky, sci- the scions of greatest genealogy and that the germs of native excellence, refinement, intelligence, kind feeling are as likely to exist in their hearts as in those of the best born. So it's like simultaneously progressive and not at all like oh i must remind myself that these because it's like yeah these little kids are just as good as anybody these coarsely clad little peasants are just as good as anybody
1: (laughs) i mean put yourself back in college though like okay just remind yourself of a time where you of all the peasants cast some aspersions on people for say the sound of their laugh in the dining hall or the particular terrible pajamas they might have worn to economics class.
0: Well, I, and I was just like, we went to this little cloistered liberal arts institution, which has plenty of its own problems. Like, don't get me wrong. Yes. Um, And one of the things, and it, it was near a town in Ohio that, that maybe was not like the most progressive. Not at all. Um, so you, So you had this little like blue state embedded in a larger red state. And so a lot of the, like some of the students would derisively refer to people who lived in the town as townies. Uh Uh-huh. And some of the quote unquote townies would like paint things on signs and like put them on like by the road outside the college. I don't know if you remember. I don't actually remember that. No. Yeah. I think someone painted something on a truck. It said aristocrat city on it.
1: (laughs) Oh, I do remember that. Was that about us? Oh, no. Uh, yeah.
0: No, it was. <laughs> Who did you think it was about?
1: I thought it was maybe like kids at our college critiquing aristocrats elsewhere. No. No, that's wrong.
0: Mm. Didn't you read the college paper?
1: No, not as often as I should have, considering that you worked on the college paper. So, yeah, well,
0: thanks. Thanks for your support. No problem. Um, So Jane teaches these little peasant people for a while. Um, She finds out all at once from St. John, the missionary guy, one, that she had a rich uncle die, and he's left her 20,000 pounds, which I didn't look up how many pounds that is in now times, or I guess dollars, because I don't – are pounds a thing anymore, or do they – yeah, they're still on pounds. It's everybody else who's on euros. Um right, yeah, yeah, um, anyway, so she comes into a bunch of money, and it's implied that like even one quarter or one twentieth of this fortune would be well enough to live on for quite some time, uh, so she comes into all this money at the same time as she finds out that um Saint John and Diana and Mary are actually all her cousins, so she has family now, which is something she didn't really have before. Um, and then the rest of the book is her distributing some of that money to her family, living happily with them for a while. St. John tries to get her to marry him and come to India and do missionary work. And she's like, I'll go, but I don't want to go as your wife. And it's not like it's not because of the cousin thing because this is Victorian times and like that's fine. Like it's several characters assume that maybe they would get married to each other. So (laughs) obviously no stigmas there. None at all. Um, But yeah, she doesn't she doesn't want to do that. Um, She has been kind of thinking and worrying about Rochester this whole time, like wondering what became of him after she left because he was a little unhinged ish with grief like right before she left uh so she goes to seek him out discovers that calamity has fallen upon him and his house um thornfield hall literally burned down okay because bertha his crazy wife and i am again like saying this is this is something that i guess we can talk about now but like the only thing that we hear about rochester's relationships are from his perspective or from his perspective like him
1: telling Jane. You're
0: hearing his side of the story. Yes. So, oh, the Adele's mom like stepped out on me and she was awful. Oh, my wife is crazy and that's why it doesn't count. Oh, I, you know, I was with these other mistresses in Europe, but they couldn't hold my attention like you can, Jane. It's it's I think we're supposed to like him, even though he's a little pushy. He's certainly not he certainly doesn't have some of the deficiencies of character. That say, um, what was his name in Ten of Wildflower Hall? Like the drunk guy, oh who was yeah, to Helen and was just like really, really awful.
1: Oh man, what was his um, name? Vamp. While I look this up, say something yeah. funny. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <I'm> so <laughs> was it Master and Huntington? No, S- Huntingdon. Hunting Huntington. Huntingdon was right, yeah Arthur Huntingdon, there's a very good uh Kate Beaton comic about the Bronte sisters like looking at dudes and all the dudes who they like who who like Charlotte and Emily like are all like loudish brutish, uh-huh, awful dudes, I think it's partly because of uh partly because of Rochester and partly because of man, I cannot remember any of these names it's been too long the the guy from Wuthering Heights who is kind of awful, but we're supposed—he's like tragically awful.
1: That guy's name is Heathcliff.
0: Heathcliff, yes, 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 yes. All right, we're all but, we're all on the same page.
1: Uh, real quick, because uh, we're on Rochester right now, I we I put out the call for Bronte thoughts on the internet, and I said Bronte thoughts. Uh, Super duper Spock tweeted at us, and you just kind of hit this on the head. So I kind of want to dive deeper. Jane Eyre is a great book, but wow, is Mister Rochester a menacing jerk? <laughs> Why are we supposed to like him again? So, you're kind of saying that he's just he's not as bad as some of the other people, but are there qualities about him that we are supposed to like other than his willingness to take in a boring French girl?
0: He's interesting to talk to, and again, okay. that's like that's that's big for Jane. Like and it's like, set up somebody, by the fact she that she somebody, finds everyone
1: else boring.
0: Yeah, like she needs somebody who she can consider her intellectual equal. she's looking um, for a mind at work yeah she's looking for a mind at work work um and then at the by by the end of it like so when they split the first time jane is like we can't get married like i just can't do this because i'm i am i have heard you talk about like some of these mistresses that you've had and your first wife and i'm just worried that you are going to love me for a bit and then you're going to get tired of me and we're going to be done. Mm-hmm. Um so she leaves. Um this is going to segue into another thing I wanted to talk about which was um the role of like religion and and of god and of divine providence and stuff. Uh so Rochester falls on hard times. His house burns down. He gets injured. So his he loses his hand, he loses his eyesight. Ooh. Because he is trying to like save all the servants from dying. And like, aside from Bertha, who jumps off the roof of the house and kills herself, everybody else survives this fire. So that, that much is, is good at least. And that's, I guess that's a window into uh, Rochester being noble in a way. Like, it's a, a thing that we're supposed to like about him.
1: Is that theoretically he's been like,
0: well, like he say, he was like so selfless and trying to save all the servants that he injured himself. Okay, and so he's he is humbled by these injuries, and he, like, it, it, through this, he like learns the patience and whatever that he needs to be worthy of Jane's affection. So, he, so he says. Uh, Jane, you think me, I dare say, an irreligious dog, but my heart swells with gratitude to the beneficent God of this earth just now. He sees not as man sees, but far clearer. Judges not as man judges, but far more wisely. I did wrong. I would have sullied my innocent flower. breathed guilt on its purity. The omnipotent snatched it from me. I, in my stiff-necked rebellion, almost cursed the dispensation. Instead of bending to the decree, I defied it. Divine justice pursued its course. Disasters came thick on me. I was forced to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. His chastisements are mighty, and one smote me, which has humbled me forever. You know I was proud of my strength, but what is it now, when I must give it over to foreign guidance, as a child does its weakness? Of late, Jane, only, only of late, I began to see and acknowledge the hand of God in my doom. And then later on, once they get married, which they do um he after a couple of years regains most of his eyesight and like the one eye that he didn't lose mm-hmm. and again god is is sort of credited for that yeah um, yeah uh so he gets his eyesight back after a couple of years or most of it anyway and on that occasion he again with a full heart acknowledged that god had tempered judgment with mercy hmm. so he and he and jane are happily married and he's like now that he's learned his lesson cuz god he's also being given gifts which i guess like not totally losing your eyesight is a gift in this case
1: yeah or getting part of it back yeah, somehow eventually <laughs> okay so what do you um, uh, go ahead there's a, there's two things one that i don't think we need to dive further into cuz you want to move on to a, a, this religious theme but it is
0: well oh, that's pr- that's pretty much it is just like God is acknowledged to be working through people in the book. And there is, there's one, the only kind of supernaturally moment that is not described or like explained away later is toward the end. Rochester is kind of despairing and Jane is fighting off St. John's proposal, very, very insistent proposal of marriage. And at the same time, like she hears Rochester calling out her name And he hears her saying, "Oh, I'm coming. Like, wait for me." Um, Even though they are separated by many, many miles, and through time and space, yeah. So that's that also is chalked up to God, I think. Huh.
1: Okay. Well, I, I was just finding it interesting that, of course, it took him, like, being disfigured and handicapped, to get on a level where. He was like ready to humble himself to her as a dude, <laughs> typical like, dude. God needed to like physically take away his privilege for him to be like, "All right, cool. I think I'm ready for this."
0: Well, and it, and it helps that the inheritance, like one one of the things that Jane did not love in the run up to their initial nuptials, not quite marriage that didn't didn't really work out. Is that she didn't have any money and he technically her employer was like trying to buy her all this stuff and she was just not comfortable with it. So at the same time as he has come down, she has gotten this inheritance. That's sure, kind sure. of ra- Brought her up a little bit,
1: which of course is, is providential in its own right. There is like the. Yeah, right. You didn't know that you had this. God gave you this money.
0: Like right now, that's that that today. That would be classic scam. Like if I came to you <laughs> and was like, hey, Craig, you guess what? Your uncle died. And yeah, now you have like $2 million. Okay. You just need to put $10,000 in a bank account so I can get your uncle's money over here Yeah, from the Czech Republic or whatever. Correct.
1: I- yeah, it costs some money <laughs> to do that, I've heard, mm-hmm. because you, you're probably going to have to pay to have all that money printed or something.
0: Yeah, that's how it Anyway, just, like, here's the account number. Just, you know, whenever you're ready, just dump it in there, and we'll, we'll get the ball rolling. Great. Is
1: it good if I, like, use my joint? Like, I've got the money. Like, some of it is, like, me and Laura's money. Like, is that you know, fine? That's a, yeah,
0: as long as you have enough. Like, it doesn't... You can put in more than I'm asking for, and I'll just take out what I need.
1: Oh, that's perfect. Okay, I great. trust you completely. Hey, I don't know who you, you are.
0: Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> does how else does
1: being a christian factor into this book because i feel like are these are these characters that are practicing do they do they moralize specifically around religion at all or is god really just there to like give and take giveth and taketh away
0: i think the latter mostly i don't have any other quotes prepared because you don't sure sure you don't have like people aren't going to like church and stuff but People are just, there's this, aside from St. John, who is really heavily religious and, and kind of cares about his works more than just about anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of the the sort of background level of everybody is a certain, like everybody who's going to be running in these circles can be expected to be a certain amount of pious or like God-fearing. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, I I feel like that's just like the default state of people in victorian novels
1: <laughs> and there's and there's a default state of like hypocrisy that it sounds like a lot of the brontes were into like poking holes in sure and it, you know you can even if that means that she has a pretty strong view herself of what christ and god are there to do that she is more than happy to point out people who are perverting that for their own for their own ends or their own self-image yeah, so
0: um, so we talked about provincialism, we talked about class, talked about uh, letting the men talk, letting the men tell their side of the story for once. Sure, sure. You talked uh, about we, the
1: fortune teller scene, which Catherine uh, tweeted at us for hashtag And there's just, there's just so, thoughts. so much
0: stuff. Like, another thing that Catherine, this is Catherine Van Arendonk, who's a friend of the show. I do a TV podcast with her, and Margaret H. Wilson called Appointment TV. Never heard of it. Uh yeah well go to ATVpodcast.com dot find out more. You got not um, pay for that was...
1: crap, man. Let's come on now. She...
0: <laughs> <laughs> she was talking about um Bertha and how there is I don't I don't remember if she named it or not, but there is this story that someone wrote that's um it's a Jean Reese's Wide Sargasso Sea. Okay,, uh, which she says it's better to talk about than it is to read i m o but it's Jane Eyre from the perspective of Bertha, okay, and so I guess a lot of the feminist uh conversation around this book is like talking about it from Jane's perspective, obviously, but since you know so little of Bertha and what you do know you get from this dude who has a vested interest in sweeping her under the rug. Um there are, are people who try to claim her as a feminist icon as well. Okay. Uh so yeah, there there yeah, there's a lot of really interesting like ancillary scholarship and fiction written around this book that we are just not going to have time to dip into. But the is one... it
1: creepy? Is it a creepy book at times? Cuz you said there's some supernatural
0: stuff. Every once in a while, um the way Bertha is described, um she is sometimes described as sort of a vampire great perfect and she's really she's really nasty to look at like her face is all bloated and purple and and weird um and yeah it does especially as a modern reader i think you you get uncomfortable sometimes when these men are like propositioning jane and kind of grabbing her and trying to make her do what they want, which gets into the one last like big tentpole thing that I wanted to get to is like I said, Jane ends up married like surprise, 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 but there are two separate occasions once with, um, once with St. John and once with Rochester where they are really pointedly like propositioning her and trying to get her to marry them. And she rejects them both on the grounds that it's not like, it's not what she wants mm. or it's not what's right for her. um, And unlike in a lot of these books that we've talked about, like there's, there is like Jane's lower class initially. So they're like in the fir- in the first proposal from Rochester, like it's not a thing where she has to get married or she's like really interested in getting married either to get money herself or to, Uh, bequeath money to somebody else yeah yeah Um, she's not being married
1: by someone
0: right right and she doesn't even have like a father figure or or any really family ties that are pressuring her one way or the other um yeah it's, it's like jane's jane is calling the shots and when she does decide to get married to rochester like she decides to do that she decides to seek him out even though he has no idea where she is um and yeah, it's 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 on her terms, like really explicitly in a way that I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. So like you're you're giving her as much agency as I think you reasonably can without breaking the genre.
1: Basically. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You the circumstances are there to explain why she has more agency than the average bear. Right, and as
0: you're as, since you're in her head the whole time, you kind of see her character evolve and and everything feels earned mostly like is she it, it, different make, it makes sense the for book? the character
1: it is a growing up book like is she different
0: yeah i would i would say so i mean like there there's one sequence that i didn't even talk about where she grown-up jane goes back to her childhood home mm. and like doesn't quite make like her aunt is dying she doesn't she gets some something by way of like explanation. It's not quite an apology and they don't really make peace by the time that she dies, but she does come to a sort of grudging mutual respect with her mm-hmm. uh two of her cousins mm-hmm. who she didn't get along with and she doesn't like one is kind of is headed toward a convent. It is and is maybe like too harsh and uninteresting and one is kind of a flighty Woman and so jane is not like inclined to love either of them but she does i guess become the bigger person and not hold Mm. all of her childhood experiences and mistreatment against them like by default she's she's trying and and that that kind of thing shows jane like clearly developing and and learning and and trying to be better sure in ways that, that are interesting so yeah well cool
1: is this, yeah, your, is this your favorite of the three, or do you think Wild, Wildfell Hall is the best one?
0: There are things I like about Wildfell Hall a lot. Um, I would have to read it again, but I do think, I think just objectively, this is the best of the three. Um, I'm sure that there are really good arguments to be made for Wuthering Heights, and I'd love to hear them. But just from my perspective, this is the one that I found the easiest to get into um, that was the most page turny. Mm-hmm. For me, and it was this most gave me the most stuff to, like, chew on mentally, and just think about and talk about. Cool. So yeah, there you go.
1: Well, if we missed Ooh, your favorite I'm tired part of talking, <laughs> because sometimes we do. You can let us know on social media. You can use facebookcom slash pod or twittercom slash pod. I want to thank everyone who did it this week. That includes Sarah and Yusanim and Catherine and Laura. And Priscilla and a different Catherine and Elizabeth Graham, who we've been trolling with our Bachelor tweets on Twitter. Uh, unintentionally, like no. Not intentionally,
0: like it's just trolling because we are watching the Bachelorette and he is not. <laughs> Sorry, Graham. <laughs> uh, Carminked, Bessie,
1: Becky, STL, Ty-Sophine, uh, Bookish AF, Haley, uh, Jeff over at Our Fair City, Sean, Melissa, Peter, Lee, Erica, Lucas, Taylor, Ashley. Daisy, Megan, Emmett, and Blake. And there are some folks that we, that we read their Mom swears earlier that include Sophie, Morgan, Megan, uh, Josh, Michael, Rob, Catherine, and Sandra. We won't tell you which moms they were to protect mom
0: Wowzers, Bowsers. Wowzers,
1: Bowsers, you guys. Uh, you could also send in your Bronte thoughts to overduepod at gmail.com. Andrew, if they want to go find those old episodes and they don't want to scroll through iTunes, where should they go?
0: Uh, they can go to overduepodcast.com. Um, up there, we have all of our old episodes, um, some of the books that we are going to read, usually. Um, we also have links to iTunes, Google Play, RSS, the places you can use to subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe in iTunes rate and review us because it helps us rise in rankings and it makes us feel good. We have gotten a few of those in the last week or so. So thank you very much to everyone who's done that. Uh, we have links to Spreaker, our podcast host, HeadGum, our podcast network. Um, we have what Amazon links to the books that we have read and are going to read that you can click on and, and buy the books. If you want to read along and give us a little cut and we have a link to our Patreon projects, which is a way that you can support us financially in like an ongoing uh, fashion. Jane Eyre is not a book that was specifically recommended by a patron. Um, it was just like one that we'd gotten a bunch and I decided it, it was to time. Yeah. It needed to happen. <laughs> we've
1: been sitting on it for a while.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, like most of the books that we've read in like the last year or year and a half have been – Uh, recommended to us by our patrons yeah so it's been it's exposed us to a lot of stuff that i don't think we would have found normally and it's been it's yeah it's been really fun
1: next Um, i'm reading the door by magda zabo i'm going to look up the correct pronunciation for our next podcast Uh, but she's a hungarian writer that i've never heard of and it i'm already like a fifth of the way in and i really like it so i'm really glad that it's going to be on our show um yeah
0: and um yeah just we're running a little bit long already so maybe not we're not gonna take up too much more (laughs) of your time i guess i mean you could just hit stop if you wanted
1: (laughs) you could you could have by now
0: um but we wanted to i guess craig and i are trying to work through the way we feel about the shootings that happened in orlando florida um Mm -hmm. at a it was at a gay nightclub um it was over a hundred people I think were injured, and fifty were killed. yep when someone opened fire in there at like two a m and so yeah, the uh
1: was called Pulse, and um our hearts just go out to everyone affected by this senseless tragedy um I mean, we're working through how we're feeling, but like that's also there's an implicit rage and sadness and anger, and I think by working through, there's a lot of
0: oscillating. Yeah, I mean, I I know what a lot of my feelings are. Yeah, but yeah, I just I and I've I've seen a lot of this on Twitter, so that's why kind of why we wanted to take a minute and just talk about it. Is it's hard to it's hard to know what to do Mm-hmm. because it feels like you know there's it, it feels like there's nothing that can happen that is bad enough to prompt actual legislative action that yes. would meaningfully curtail this stuff and maybe eventually make it stop happening yeah and i'm sure and I, i'm sure we have people from all like political walks of life listening to this show which i really love and appreciate and it's not I don't even think it's a thing where like Obama needs to kick your door down and like take all your guns away, but surely there are common sense legislative actions we could be we could be taking. So, Craig, you you had some yeah um, URLs that we wanted to throw out there for like people who are trying to to find just a a meaningful, helpful outlet for mm-hmm. some of their frustrations.
1: Yeah, there are a couple things that I. F- uh, hope you'll consider doing and go to everytown.org uh, and just learn a bit more first of all just learn just like read up on what the issues are and uh, what we are sacrificing uh, and losing because we have not advanced gun safety in this country the United States of America um, and you can go there you can donate you can learn how to call your Congress people if you are in America because we have some international listeners Um also this, you know, it took place at a gay night club in Orlando and there are LGBTQ community organizations that you can look up and donate to. Um l- research those. Um and if you you can give blood if you're in that area, do that.
0: Uh I did read I think that the blood banks were like full up and having to turn people away, which is good. Okay. It which is great in its in its sad way, you know.
1: If that was your impulse, then go do something else that uh do something uh as small as it may be um because we all need
0: to so, yeah. so that's 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 where I we are what we are trying to do we have this we have this smallish platform that we have made and I don't know it's 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 tough yeah um
1: it's it's yeah okay uh, so we're going to do another show next week. Uh, if you didn't check your feed over the weekend, we did post our most recent bonus episode uh, on Gilby Association, so you can go check that out. Uh, yeah, I thought and, that one turned out really well. Yeah, it was fun. Andrew, thanks for recording this podcast across space time with me.
0: Yeah, no problem. I, I'll catch up to you in like three hours, and and then and, I'll send you the audio. <laughs> I love how this is going to sync up. I yeah. <laughs> That's the whole editing magic. All right, everybody. Um, thank you for, for indulging us as we end on kind of a, a downer note, but we did just think it was an important thing to talk about. Uh, we will be back next week. Until then, everybody, please try to be happy.